Amen. He's certainly worthy of praise and praise forever. Well, I hope you were as touched and as moved as I was to just see all of the uh, care, all of the local outreach and missions that we are able and honored to be a part of. It's wonderful that it takes two Sundays for us to have a good missions review as we think about the world and as we think about our local uh, right here. And so well done to all of our team. We just love and appreciate you so much. Open. What a powerful word that is. Never dreamt that that word would seem, uh, that word would become more and more powerful. It just seems like every week. Open. While everything is closed, we're not closed. We're open. Our heart is open. Our Bible is open. And our mouth is open. And we are learning and and beginning to really understand the power of opening our mouth and speaking words of life, life-giving words, life-healing words. You know, God made us in his image. In the image of God, we have been created. And God created the worlds with his words. And there's just something so amazing and phenomenal that we in the image of God have a much scaled down version but but that image that we also in the image of God create our worlds as it were with our words our world at home the atmosphere that's in our home or our marriage or where we work Our words are creative like God's words. And our words are powerful like God's words. And in his image, we also can speak and watch the world around us change with the power that he has given us. Carol mentioned this scripture in Psalm 51 and verse 15. That we've we've looked at the power of our praise the power of opening our mouth in praise. And the scripture says, Lord God, unlock this. I'm reading from the Passion. It says, unlock my heart, unlock my lips, and I will overcome with my joyous praise. And we think about Paul and Silas locked down in the dungeon, locked up uh, there in uh, Philippi, beaten, put in the stocks in in the inner prison, And at midnight, they opened their mouth, they unlocked their lips, and they began to praise. And the power of that praise was not only effective for Paul and Silas, but the attitude of their heart and the words that came out of their mouth caused people around them. Every prisoner there, chains fell because of the praise that was coming forth out of Paul. inside, They weren't murmuring. They weren't complaining. They were praising God because he's worthy. And in that situation, God is still God and God is still worthy and no matter what situation we're in. And we could just see the power of their praise even in prison. We've seen the power of just words The the words that we speak from Proverbs 18 and verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. (laughs) No pressure. 
But everything you say and everything you speak is either life-giving or life-sucking, you know? I mean, like, like God, we have power in our words. Not like almighty God, but, but God-like. We have power, and words carry tremendous power. The Good News Bible says it this way. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. Man, what you say. So we've seen that words also have the power to appreciate or depreciate. Items can appreciate. Land and houses and and art and, and Bitcoin or whatever can appreciate or depreciate depending on market value. But words have the power to appreciate or depreciate people. We can add value or devalue the people in our life and the people in our world with our words. You can build lives up. You can break lives down. James also teaches us in chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, that we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the captain chooses, even though the winds are strong, uh, the King James says are contrary. And, and even though it may not, even though it's difficult, we can still turn it around. I can change my course. I can turn my life with the power of my words, like a bridle or a rudder. And also, I can change my attitude and I can choose my thoughts. Every day in this lockdown, in this pandemic, I can become bitter or better. Every single day, no matter what is going on around me, I can become bitter or better. I can't control the storm that we're all in right now, but I can control the storm that's trying to get in me that when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus Jesus spoke they they woke him up they said don't you care we're going to perish and Jesus spoke and he calmed the storm but then he spoke to the storm that was happening in the disciples heart they were terrified they they had lost they believed that Jesus didn't care and that they were going to die and so he calmed he he rebuked the storm and he rebuked their fear and their unbelief I can speak to this. I I can't stop right now the storm that's happening in our world. But I certainly can speak to the storm in my own soul. I can fix my fear and find my faith. Because the Bible says the word of faith is near me. It is even in my mouth. And the truth is, I can become fearless and faithful in the midst of of any storm by my confession of Christ and my profession of faith. I want to look back someday, as we all will, and know in my soul that during COVID, during pandemic, during virus and vaccine, I was fearless and faithful. I want to know that. Now, Carol made mention at the beginning of our service today that I wrote in 2007 
uh, the book, The Ten Most Powerful Words You Can Say. We were doing a series. We were talking like we are now about the power of our words. And I remember one day sitting in my office saying, well, Lord, if words are so powerful, what are the most powerful words that I could ever say? And uh, over the weeks, I wrote that book based on a series that we were uh, teaching here in the church. But honestly, I have felt for many, many weeks, possibly even for many months, that we should revisit and reprise and revise this teaching in light of this darkness that we are living in right now and in lieu of where we've been going and talking about the power of open, opening our mouth. And so in some ways, I'd like to almost reprise this teaching, revise this teaching, the 10 most powerful words you can say in a pandemic, or the 10 most powerful words you can say in a lengthy lockdown, or the 10 most powerful words you can say when you've been with your family 24 hours a day. What are the most powerful words we can say? And so today, uh, we're going to look at uh, the first two, and then this next week, we'll progress on and, and just see, see how far we can go. So what is the most powerful words that I can say? What are the 10 most powerful words I can say? Number one, I believe. I believe. Jesus said, in Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible. All things are possible to him who believes. When I say I believe, impossible things become possible. What's more powerful than that? And Jesus says in Luke 18 and verse 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible is possible. What is impossible is possible. All things are possible to her who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to them that believe. Now Jesus said these words to a desperate father who was pleading for his demonic son. He had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration with, with some of the disciples and he gets down there and, and, and here's this crowd and the disciples had been trying to help this boy and been trying to minister to this boy. And this father, pleading and desperate, comes to Jesus. And we read in Mark 9, verse 23, the father is explaining the situation. And he says, the spirit, the demon, the devil, often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus said, 
anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The New King James Version says it this way, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This, this word cried out, such a powerful word in the Greek, the word kradzo, cried out. This is what the father did. He cried out. Literally, the word means to croak like a raven. It literally means to scream, to shriek, to entreat. He screamed, I do believe. Now there's two parts to this father's desperate and frantic response to Jesus. When Jesus tells him, what do you mean if I can? And all of a sudden the father is looking at hope and hopelessness and, and he lays hold of hope. But there's two parts to his response. There is a proclamation and a prayer. A decree and a plea. An assertion and a petition. I believe, he decreed. Help my unbelief, he pleaded. With tears in his eyes, he shouted his faith and he whispered his doubt. He screamed his belief and he softly spoke, help my unbelief. He overcame for his son by shrieking out his faith, I believe, and praying out his doubt, help my unbelief. I do believe. Help me to die to my doubt. His I believe was louder and larger than his unbelief. Paul told Timothy, and we read this scripture last time in 1 Timothy 6.12, that we fight the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight. Faith is not a cruise. Faith is not a stroll. Faith is, faith is, is, not a, a, faith is a fight. And Paul told Timothy that we fight this good fight of faith by confessing the good confession. And we read it. Fight the good fight of faith. Come on, it's on. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. There's just some things, family, we got to lay hold of. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to the which you were also called. And have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The 10 most powerful things you can say is how we fight the good fight of faith by confessing the good confession. We're looking at 10 good, positive, strong confessions, most powerful confessions that we can make as we fight the good fight of faith. And you can see this in this father, him fighting the good fight of faith by making the good confession, I believe, and then praying that prayer and help me overcome my doubt. It's so real. It's so authentic. This father is so desperate to see his son set free. 
I believe. Say it. Pray it. Sing it. Shout it. Decree it. Declare it. I believe. I believe. I believe God is. I believe God. I believe God is good. I believe Jesus rose. I believe demons flee. I believe help is here. I believe God is near. I believe faith prevails. I believe hope remains. I believe love endures. I believe grace abounds. I believe fear is gone. I believe in kingdom come. I believe in his will be done. I believe God sent his son. I believe his word is true. I believe his love is real. I believe his peace of mind. I believe his joy divine. I believe in eternal life. I believe in the cross of Christ. I believe in his cleansing blood. I believe mercy triumphs over judgment. And I believe you and me. I believe we are going to outlive, outlast, and outlove this virus. I believe we're going to come back into this building stronger and more united and undivided than we have ever been before as a church family. I believe. I'm talking about the 10 most powerful words you can say in an elongated lockdown. I believe. Number two. I care. I care. Others. Others. It's not about me. I care. It's about more than me. Others. Others. Caring is about your character. Caring is about Christ likeness. Caring When I care, I'm like Christ. When I care, I'm conformed to his character. And that is the ultimate goal of every totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be conformed to his character. To have Christ formed in me. That is the ultimate goal of our life on this earth. We read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. He chose you to become like his son. He chose us to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. To become like his son. Caring is how I become like Christ. Caring. I care. I care. These words have the power to change the world because it's people who care that change the world. People who care change their cities. People who care change their neighborhoods. Caring 
is living with a focus bigger than myself. Caring is living with an outward other's focus because my eyes are not just on me. I care. I care. And you as a Christian should never, ever say, I don't care. Oh, I don't care. I don't care. You should never ever how words are powerful you should never say those words you should never ever say I don't care every time you say those words that those words have a, a way of forming a a cold crust over your heart they have a, a way of bringing a dark drape over your soul don't ever ever say those words as a Christ follower I care it matters. This matters. You matter. I care. I cannot represent Christ if I don't care. John Maxwell said that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. We care. We care. We just saw a video a few moments ago about our church caring, caring for people. It's, it's called West Care. We care. Jesus tells the story of a despised Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verse 33 and 35. A despised Samaritan who comes along the road and finds a man robbed and beaten and left half dead where a priest and a Levite had just been and kept going. But a despised Samaritan, I'm reading from verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity kneeling beside him. He felt and he knelt beside him. Where there is feeling, there is kneeling beside the hurting. That's how we change someone's world. I care. He felt and he knelt. And the next thing, he was beside a stranger. Probably a stranger who would even despise him as a Samaritan. But he felt and he knelt. And in that feeling, he was kneeling beside him. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care. He took care of him. And you know, I believe with all of my heart that caring is not only how we help others, I think it's how we save ourselves. I don't mean eternal salvation because that can only come through the cross of Christ, but I'm talking about the saving of a selfish, sinful, shriveled up heart life, little, cold. We save ourselves from low level living. Helping and caring for others is how we are saving 
ourselves. I tell pastors all the time that our mission's vision, yes, it's saving some in the world, but it's saving us as a church. It's saving us from a small, selfish life. It's saving us from a church that's just inward-focused. I care is so powerful. In the book, on this chapter, I care, I tell the story of Sadhu Sundar Singh, who I guess in some ways could be called the Good Samaritan of Northern India. I read the book of his life. Sadhu Sundar Singh became a Christian and he became an evangelist, but he dressed like uh, the, the local uh, shamans pretty much of his day. Uh, but he says he got born again. He was barefoot and, and, uh, and he... But one day there in the northern Himalayan mountains, he and a companion wanted to go evangelize a village. And as the day started out fine, they began up the trail and a terrible storm just suddenly came in. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just rain, it was snow. And ice began to form on the path and he's barefoot and, and they had not planned or prepared for such a storm and now they are in a real dangerous and desperate situation and he and his companion are trying to get to this village before they die uh, to evangelize and as they come around the corner I remember reading this in the book they find a stranger unconscious on the path freezing to death and Sadhu Sundar Singh wants to stop and render aid and help the man, but his traveling companion said, if we stop, we will all die. If we don't keep moving, if we stop right now, not only is he going to die, but we're going to die too. We need to keep going. But Sundar Singh couldn't, and so his companion kept going. But he stopped, and he knelt down, felt a pulse, saw that the man was still alive, though unconscious, and somehow he got that man on his back and on his shoulders. And kind of like in the old fireman's carry, he's got the man, and barefoot on the trail, in the ice and in the snow, he begins carrying this man up the path. And in about 30 minutes, Sundar Singh is not freezing, he's sweating. I mean, all of a sudden, he's just sweats dripping off of him, his body heat carrying this man, exerting, all of a sudden revives the man on his back, and the man come, comes to, and he can't believe that, that he's been carried, and his body's been warmed by the exertion of Sundar Singh's body, and together, they continue the journey and come around a bend, and there he finds his traveling companion frozen to death alone on the path. It cost Sundar Singh to care. It cost his companion not to care. Caring is costly, but not caring is even more costly. I care. I care what's happening right now. I care what's happening in your world, in your home, and in your family. I care. I care. Jesus said in John chapter 10, in verse 
13 and 14, he said, the hireling, the hireling flees because he's a hireling. The hireling sees a wolf coming and here's the, the sheep that he's watching that he's being paid to watch. And he flees, Jesus said, and does not care. He flees and does not care about the sheep. The hireling does not care. He cares only for himself. He cares only for the money. He cares only for his own safety and security. But the shepherd, Jesus teaches that the shepherd is not a hireling. The shepherd stands between the wolf and the sheep. And the shepherd says to the wolf, you might eat these sheep, but you're going to have to eat me first. I'm standing here and I am ready to die to defend them if you're ready to die to eat them. But I'm not moving. I'm not leaving. I'm not running because I care. When the hired hand sees the wolf, he flees in fear. But the shepherd will risk everything to shield, to safeguard, and to shelter the sheep. The shepherd cares. Caring is costly. Caring is character. Caring is Christ-like. But I care. He cares. And I care. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 tells us that we cast all of our care upon him because he cares for you. He cares for me. He cares for us. So caring is God-like. It's Christ-like to care. So what are the 10 most powerful words I can say when I'm locked down or locked up or locked out? Well, here's two. I believe, and I care. Next week, we're going to go a little further. We're going to arm ourselves even better with more ammunition, as it were, to fight the good fight of faith by confessing the good confession. I hope today, I hope all this week, I wonder if you would begin to mark and count and on purpose consider how many times you say, I believe, I believe, I believe God is good. I believe God, I believe, I believe. This is the day the Lord has made. I, come on, I believe. I'm going, to re- I'm going to outlast this, outlive this, outlove this. Come on, I believe. And I wonder how many times this week you could say, I care. We care. We care about our friends and our neighbors and those in the world. I care. I care. The heart and soul of Imaginations Church is that we care. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the most wonderful church a man could ever pastor. I want to thank you for the most beautiful people, the most selfless, good-hearted people I've ever known. Thank you for our church and our church family and those that have joined us even today around the world. I'm so grateful. And Father, we realize that our words are powerful. We can build up and break down. Our words are so strong. And we are made in the image of God. And our words have consequence. And our words have power. So teach us, Lord, how to use our words. And teach us these ten most powerful things we can ever say. 
Father, I believe. And Father, I care. Amen.